All right. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and get into the word this morning. We've been in Psalms for this is about the fourth week, I think. I want to preach on Psalm 119. So if you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119 uh, and, and you pull your notes out there. Um, as you're turning there, won't you just put your hand right on your right on your head there? Yeah, just pray for yourself this morning. Just put it right there on your head. I want you to pray for yourself this morning. Father, we just, we just thank you so much for your word. And God, we not only pray for our minds, but we pray for our hearts this morning. Because Lord Jesus, it's one thing to hear sermons, but it's another thing to receive your word. And God, you have to illuminate us, God, and give us minds that can understand, that give us ears that can hear your word, Lord. Because we believe that we live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so we pray, God, that we would become lovers of your word and that even today, Lord, your word promises that the implanted word of God is able to save our souls. It's able to bring peace to a distressed soul and a fearful soul. It's able to bring deliverance to a soul that's in bondage. And so we trust that your word is going to cut this morning and we pray for our minds and our thoughts this morning, Lord, that everything would be cleared away, that we could think according to your word. And Lord, your word declares that you have given us a sound mind and the mind of Christ. And so we pray that over ourselves and over our lives this morning. And I pray that this morning something new would come to life in your word that we've never seen before. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Say amen to that. Psalm 119 is it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Richard was telling me the other day, you know, that, that uh, Jacqueline had asked him to do something. And he said, well, let me get this Bible reading done first. But she didn't know he was in Psalm 119. So like 30 minutes later, you know, she was getting frustrated by that time because she thought the devotional was going to finish a little bit earlier. Psalm 119 is a long chapter. It's 176 verses. It's located somewhere around the center of the Bible, right in the middle. And it is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it is all about a man's love for God's word right there in the center. And not only that, but it is one of the most what they would call like mathematically and structurally beautiful things that is written in the Bible. It has 22 stanzas in it because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so the first stanza would start for like, for example, the Aleph, the first letter of the alphabet. And every line in that stanza will start with that same exact letter. So it's mathematically and structurally beautiful. It's limited in what even the psalmist could write because he's writing it so specifically and accurately. But basically he's saying this is the kind of structure and the kind of order that the word of God will bring to your life if you become a lover of the word of God. He's, he's trying to demonstrate this is, this is what brings order. Even in the beginning, when you realize and you understand how powerful the Word of God is, from the, from the beginning of time, when God spoke, He spoke into darkness and chaos, and His Word went forth and brought order to the chaos. Amen. See, we believe that every time the Word of God actually goes forth in power, it comes to bring order to the chaos. It comes to bring structure and peace so that you can walk according to God's wills, will and according to His way. And so this is the beautiful thing. I love this chapter, and it's important that you read this because it puts something in your heart for the Word of God. we got a lot of Christians in our day and age that honestly are very biblically illiterate, and a lot of times we're not teaching the Bible as much, and, and, and we're not even concerned with whether or not people read the Bible as 
as much. And one of the things that I'm very fearful about is that our churches even have gotten to the place where they actually discount a lot of Scripture. And they begin to teach, well, you know, the most important thing and the only thing that you really need to believe is not the Old Testament or not anything like that, but what you really need to believe is just that Jesus was raised from the dead. I say that's a starting point, but when a person, when a Christian is becoming a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ believed in the entirety of Scripture. And Paul himself taught to Timothy, he said, all Scripture is given by God and it's good for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness and even rebuke from time to time so that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped to do what God has called him to do. Amen. So from front to back, we need to have a value placed on the Word of God. Now, there's a lot of times when people will say, well, you know, Clay, you don't need to teach that about the Word of God because a lot of people are saying, well, the Word of God is not that good. And here's the truth. The Word of God, they will say, well, it has errors. I heard one guy say, well, it may have errors, but it doesn't have near as many errors as there are in you. And the truth is the Word of God has no errors. We believe it's infallible. It's perfect. And even when it seems to have errors, those are there for a reason. And here's what I want to say to you to start out is that if the Word of God does not shape your life, then the world will. If the Word of God is not what is actively shaping your life right now, I promise you the world will. If in the morning you don't get up and allow the Word of God to shape your attitude, the people around you, the circumstances, and the world that day will shape your attitude. If the Word of God does not shape your life, then the world will. And if you do not learn to love the Word of God, you will learn to love other things that contradict the Word of God. Amen. If you don't learn to love the Word of God, you're going to learn to love other things that will contradict the Word of God in your life. So let's turn to Psalm 119. I'm going to read all 176 verses. That was a joke, yeah. We're going to read verse 9 through 16. Verse 9 through 16, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Even right there, I tell you, in my own life, whenever I start, when I, there was a lot of things in my life where I had gone astray. I had addictions in my life. I was in depression. I was reading crazy things. I was saying crazy things. My life was a mess. And my life changed because I was so depressed. I was seeking for truth. And I remember one night I was high. I was a little bit out of my mind. And I was searching for something in a drawer. And in, in my heart, there was like a groaning, man, like a crying out for something. And I kept turning to alcohol. I kept turning to drugs. I kept turning to other things. And I remember I opened my drawer and I was looking for something and I got to the bottom and there was a Bible that my dad had given me when I was 11 years old. And I don't even know if I ever opened this thing. I still got this Bible. It's a big blue NIV Bible. And I opened it up right there and I started reading in the book of Proverbs. And I read where it said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And I started reading these things. And all of a sudden, I, I, I got up every day and I would, listen, I was, I was still living like a crazy man. But every day I was beginning to put the word of God in my heart. And slowly it was beginning to take root in my life. And my point is, is that you don't have to be perfect before you allow the word of God to get in your heart and shape your life. If you wait till you get it together before you get into the Word of God, you're never going to get it together. The Word of God is what brings it together. The Word of God is what brings that structure and that order in your life. And if a young man is going to cleanse his way, he's got to get to a point where he takes heed according to the Word of God. I talk to people all the time. I counsel young men. And the biggest problem with a lot of young men who are going astray and doing crazy stuff is they will not listen to anybody. Because they think they're brilliant. They think they've got it figured out. And matter of fact, they're a victim. The reason they're in the place that they're in is because somebody else has done something wrong to them and this and that and this and that. You can play that all you want to, but it's going to continue to lead you astray. 
It's going to continue to lead you into a place of bondage. And he's saying there's got to be a point. I can remember. I can remember this. I felt like my whole life growing up, you know, most people say, well, he's a good kid. He's a pretty good boy. And for most points and all intents and purposes, when people look at the outside of your life, you are a pretty good person by worldly standards. But, man, we were broken and messed up. And the first thing and the first person who ever told me, Clay, what you're doing is wrong, is when I opened the scripture and the word of God brought correction and rebuke into my life. And we're so afraid to bring correction and rebuke into people's lives today because we might hurt their feelings and they're very sensitive. But that's what I love about the word of God, because it cuts straight to the chase and tells you, I've got to cut this out of your life or it's going to poison your soul. I love that about the word of God. How does a young man cleanse his own way? Because he starts listening to the word of God. He says in verse 10, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, this is a very famous verse. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. See, you see this and he talks about a wholeheartedness in Psalm 119 over and over again. He talks about wholeheartedness. And the truth is, is that many of us as Christians, what we are is we have a divided heart. We have hearts that are set on a million different things. And what God is saying is the reason ultimately you call yourself a Christian, but you have all of these deep, crazy internal struggles is that some way or another, you've got a divided heart. Half of your worship is for me, but half of your worship is for something else. And he's saying, I need you to bring, come into a place of wholeheartedness so that I can make you whole. And the word is the means by which God is going to not only make your heart whole, but it's going to produce a wholeheartedness toward God in your own life and in your own ways. Now listen here, he says, he says, if you read this in verse 11, for example, it says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, if you were to say, what is the ultimate goal of life? Now, I, you could, I read one guy write it like this. He says, the ultimate goal of life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. He said, you could also say in the negative that the ultimate goal of life is to not sin. And he said those two things go hand in hand because sinning is falling short of glorifying God when you embrace something that you think is more enjoyable than God. Amen. That's what sin, sin ultimately is that I'm no longer enjoying God because I've chosen things in my life that I have decided this is more enjoyable than God. And then as soon as that happens, it gets in my soul, it contaminates me, and all of a sudden I become something different than what God has created me to be. And sin literally means missing the mark. I've become something that God did not design me to be. That's what sin is. And he's saying when you begin to sin, what you're doing is you're embracing something as more enjoyable than God. Let me put it to you like this. Religion says, and this is kind of big in southeastern Kentucky, religion says y'all need to quit sinning or you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's 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 true. But you need to understand that Jesus Christ died for all of your sins so that you could have eternal life. It's not simply about not sinning. What it's about is understanding that Jesus has made a way for you to be forgiven of all your sin, to be reconciled to your heavenly father. And if you will get back in that relationship with him and learn to enjoy him and love him the way that he loves you, he will destroy the sin in your life. Amen. It's not about trying to stop sinning. It's about learning to enjoy God and you lose your taste for sin. 
My thing was, is I was going to try to keep sinning and seeking God at the same time. And what I found out is that because I continued to seek God, I lost my taste for sin. And all of a sudden, sin lost its grip on me. And if you stay in the word of God, it's going to lose its grip on you. And all of a sudden, naturally, when you become a person who stays in the word of God, who's a man and a woman of prayer, who enjoys God and realizes that, man, I get a, I get a greater high by worshiping Jesus than any drug or alcohol has ever given me. God is giving me something. And when I sense his presence, there's a real joy that's better than any of the joys that I've ever experienced out in this world. And when I sense that, man, all of a sudden I realize I don't even desire those other things anymore. So the key is, like, if I'm coming up to a guy who's struggling, a young man is struggling with alcohol addiction, he's like, man, I just can't quit. I just can't quit drinking. I can't quit doing this. My goal is not to say, dude, you got to quit. You're going to go to hell. Well, you know what that's going to do to him? Not much good. But if I say to him, here's the gospel. Here's how Jesus loved you. He died for your sin. And if you will begin to pray, if you'll begin to get in his word, you'll begin to develop a relationship with him. You will lose your taste for that alcohol because the spirit of the living God is going to get a hold of your heart. The word of God is going to get in your heart and it's going to save and transform your soul. This is, this is the gospel that we preach. Jesus has saved you, but he didn't just save you so you could say, man, when I die, I'm going to still stay wild, but when I die, I'm going to get to go to heaven. No, that's not how it works. He died for you to be in relationship with him. Amen. He wants that relationship with you. And so so let, me, let me say this. Number one in your notes, it, it, very simple. We've got a simple message this morning. If we can just learn this one thing about God's word, we'll be in good shape. But number one is to memorize God's word. And when, a lot of times I think when we talk about memorizing God's word, we just think about kids, you know, and flannel graphs over in Sunday school or the children's church or something like that. And, and it's a children's thing to memorize scripture. I realized early on I, I, I was getting in scripture to the, to the degree that I was accidentally memorizing scripture. And I started to realize that God was bringing this stuff up in my heart over and over again. But let's look at Psalm 119 verse 11 once again. It says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He's saying the way to learn how to overcome sin is actually to treasure the word of God in your heart. He says your word. Now I'll say this too, you know, we're, we're kind of charismatic Pentecostal in our, in our belief and stuff here. So we believe in spiritual gifts and I love more than anybody a prophetic word, man. We teach on prophecy. Sometimes we see people give amazing prophetic words, but I don't know about you, but there are times. And sometimes when you get in those settings, you're like, man, God, give me a word. Send somebody to me to give me a word. You know how many times I pray that and God will remind me I've already given you a whole lot of word right here. And if you would just put that in your heart, I guarantee you would find exactly what you need to put this in your heart. Prophecy or a prophetic word or an encouraging word from another person must be supplemental to the word of God that is in your heart, the written word of God. Amen. Because then you're going to get somebody come in. Y'all ever heard about prophet lying? I had a guy prophet lie to me the other day. Amen. Not everybody, everything that comes out of the mouth of man is true. Amen. But everything that comes out of the mouth of God is true and accurate and it is powerful and it is alive. And when you get in the word of God, you start memorizing the word of God. It changes your life. Now, he lists, if you'll notice, if you read Psalm 119, he says things like he uses words like commandments, statutes, ordinances, testimonies, precepts. These are all different aspects of the scripture that he would have had at that time. But basically what he's saying is the entirety of the Bible is this word of God. When he talks about commandments, I love what Jesus says in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me. You will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, this, I want you to understand that one translation says it like this. 
Loving me empowers you to keep my commandments. I like the way it reads there. Loving me empowers you to keep my commandments. He's not saying, if you really love me, you keep my commandments. No, he's saying, if you get in this love relationship with me and you experience my love, you will naturally begin to keep my commandments. It'll be effortless for you. He also says in, in the same chapter, John 14, I believe it's 23 and 24. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words. And then my father will love him and we will come and we will make our dwelling place with him. He says, if a man does not love me, he will not keep my words. So essentially what he's saying is part of what you see when you see the Holy Spirit at work in a person's life and the love of God active in a person's life. What do they do? They begin to hunger and thirst for the word of God and they begin to desire to keep the word of God in their heart. And first John 5, 3 says it like this. It says this is the love of God that you keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. If anything that God is asking you to do right now is burdensome. You need to ask yourself, why is it burdensome? And I'm, am I trying to do this in my own strength or, or, or what's going on in my life? Because if God is really trying to do this in my life, and, and, and I, then this should not be a burden. His commandments are not burdensome. They come natural to us. He talks about his testimonies. When you get in the word of God, you start reading all these stories about what God's done in the past. Amen. You read crazy stuff. You read in the Old Testament. You read about how he split the Red Sea. See, when I read that now, I read that as my own personal testimony. I read it as how God brought me out of bondage and how God brought me out of slavery to sin and how he brought me out. I read it as my own personal testimony. When I see Jesus lay hands on the sick or the apostles, or the disciples laying hands on the sick and praying, I read it as a testimony and I delight in his testimonies because when I begin to see his testimonies in Scripture and delight in them, God is basically saying, I'm setting you up for this to become the same testimony in your own life. If you'll hang on to the word, the same thing that I did in these men and in these women and in history, if you delight in my testimony, it will become your testimony. It will, be, it, will, it will get in your heart and change your life as well. He says, but your word, God, I have hidden. I've treasured it. I've stored it up in my heart. In other words, the scripture is not supposed to be just a leather bound book or even an app on your phone that you go to whenever you feel like, OK, I need to get something out of the word. The scripture has to become something that becomes a part of who you are. It's not just in this book. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. It's my meditation all the day. When that begins to happen, the word of God begins to transform my heart. And Paul said it like this. He says, you become living letters. You become the living experience of the word of God and you're not written with ink on pen and paper he says but the spirit of God has written the word of God in your hearts and you are beginning to look more and more like Jesus because Jesus was the word of God walking in flesh he basically said if you were to take this Bible and infuse it into a human being and that human being became this scripture what would he look like he looked like Jesus and he's saying you can take this same word and plant it into your soul and into your mind and into your heart. And all of a sudden it will begin to transform you. And what's going to happen? You're going to begin to look more like Jesus. And so your word, God, I've hidden it in my heart. I've put it in my heart. I've allowed it to become a part of who I am. Why? So that I might not sin against you. When we hide God's word in our hearts, I don't know about you, but every now and then I have a pretty bad attitude. Anybody amen me, right? Y'all ever have one? I know y'all have. Y'all had a bad, bad attitude this morning, most likely. I had a little bit of one there for a minute, you know. My wife always gives me a good solid rebuke. But, but then when I get that, when I get that, right, 
I cannot tell you the number of times that almost instantly, because I stay in the word of God, a word will just float to the top. And it's almost like my brain will just quote it on purpose to me. My mind will be like, hey, Clay, hey, how about, how about 1 John chapter 3, bro? You know, And then just quote the word to me. And all of a sudden, what? There's conviction in my heart. It reminds me, you got to check your attitude. You got to check your behavior. You got to check your conduct. But if that word is not hidden in my heart, if I don't have that memorized, the spirit can't grab anything to bring correction into my life. And then I just let my whole day go down that drain. I go down that direction. I go down that way because I don't have anything to bring any kind of correction or change in my life. See, the Bible teaches us to memorize Scripture. You realize that in the Old Testament, when Jewish people were living, they like this. This went on for a long time in the church. You know that for a long time you had no, you didn't didn't have no Bibles. You go to my house, I got like thirty-seven Bibles. You know what I mean? But for a long time, people didn't even have Bibles. And if you wanted to hear Scripture, you had to go into the temple or into the tabernacle or wherever it was to the priests, and they would read it out loud. If you were lucky, if you were among the selected few, you might get access to a few scrolls and you could read the scrolls for a minute. But what you have to understand is that if you wanted the Word of God, you had to memorize it so you could take it home with you. Man. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I'd be, in, that'd be rough. We, I'm going to start taking Bibles up out at the door. I'm going to say, now, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to memorize it on the screen and take it home with you that way. We're, t- we're taking up Bibles. Nobody gets to have Bibles anymore. They put it in their hearts. They didn't just keep it in a book. They had to put it in their hearts. See, the scripture says, Proverbs 6, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, who having no guide, overseer, or ruler provides their supplies in the summer and their food in the harvest. In other words, you have to have that same attitude about Scripture. you got to realize that there's a winter season coming in your life, and right now you need to store the Word of God up in your heart because there's a day coming when you're going to need that Word to be manifested in your life, or otherwise Satan is going to come and attack, and there's going to be a day when you've got no sword to battle with. It's too late when everything goes wrong and all you got is a Bible on a shelf. You need to have that word hidden in your heart because that thing's not in there yet. It's not in my soul. It's not shaped the way that I think yet until it's in my heart. I can't come last minute and say, well, there's got to be a verse in here about this somewhere. Now, don't get me wrong. That will help. Go to the if you don't got it yet, go to the scripture every time, no matter what, if you don't have it hidden in your heart. But I want to be a type of person that I don't react and lose my mind because there's no word there. And then I lose my mind for about a month and then finally decide, well, maybe I need to go to the Bible. Now, I need to have the word of God in my heart so that when the trial comes, James uh, pops up in my in my head and begins to tell me that, listen, when you go through trials and tribulations, brothers, rejoice because it's working in you patience and perseverance and let that patience and perseverance have its perfect work in you. And while you're struggling, just go ahead and ask for wisdom and God will give it to you liberally without rebuke. That comes up in your heart. You realize I can rejoice in this trial. God's going to use it to shape me because it comes up in my heart. But you've got to memorize it. There's a guy named Dallas Willard. He wrote this book called The Spirit of of the Disciplines. You put that uh, that quote up. Here's what he said. I like what he said. He said, as a pastor, teacher and counselor, I have repeatedly seen the transformation of inner and outer life that comes simply from memorization and meditation upon Scripture. Personally, I would never undertake to pastor a church or guide a program of Christian education that did not involve a continuous program of memorization of the choicest passages of Scripture for people of all ages. Now, we don't necessarily have a program, but when we go through next steps, one of the things that we actually teach is we teach Bible study in that. 
And the thing is, we talk about it, but you, it's kind of like this. You can lead a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink. There's all kinds of water available for people. You got resources galore. There are apps on your phone where they'll read the Bible to you in some kind of cool African voice. You know what I'm talking about? There are, there are memorization apps. There's everything available. At, you have no excuses for putting the word of God in your heart. It's readily available. You can put it on your phone. You can put it on your background. You can put it on your car when you're driving. But you've got to find out a way to get in the Word of God and get the Word of God in your mind and in your heart and have it there regularly and readily available. Readily available to use. Now, if I were to offer you, let's just say, let's just say we started a, a program and I said, look, I'm going to start giving you all $1,000 for every scripture verse you memorize. I guarantee you every, every one of y'all would go home and memorize a verse this, this week, wouldn't you? You would. If it was a, but, but you know that the scripture actually says that it's more valuable than $1,000. It's worth more than $1,000. Psalm 19, verse 10 and 11, you put that up there. It says that his word is more to be desired than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And he said, moreover, by them, your servant is warned. The word of God will give you a good warning on occasion. And he said, and in keeping them, there is great reward. He said, it's like treasure that you should seek after. If you know there's treasure in the ground, so you're going to dig that thing. And he's saying, it's like treasure that you should hide in your heart because you must learn to value the word. God has ordained a way for us to live holy, godly, powerful lives. And he says, one of the ways for this to happen is for you to begin to put the word of God in your heart and you'll find yourself overcoming sin. Y'all agree with this? Amen. Y'all still with me? This is one of those like discipleship boring sermons that you just got to fight through, right? Y'all getting through it though, right? Amen. You see, and it's good. It's good though too because sometimes you're going to get in the Word of God and it's going to seem boring to you. But that's just because your mind and your heart has not yet been renewed to the beauty of its treasures. You know, you, you know something good's going on you when you're reading in the Book of Numbers and you're just like your heart's pounding out of your chest while you're right there in Leviticus. You know what I'm saying? I remember reading in Leviticus one time and I was reading it. and I was like, God, I don't got a clue what was going on. And all of a sudden he began to open my understanding about some of those sacrifices. And he said, he said, you know, the same way that they offer that turtle dove is the same way now that when you offer your praise to me and your sacrifice. He said those he said the priests they said that they would take those turtle doves. And it says it talks in Leviticus. They pluck the feathers off of it and clean it. And God showed me this image of my prayers coming up to my high priest, Jesus. And he takes my prayers and plucks off everything in my prayers that does doesn't need to be there and offers it to the Father. You see how the Holy Spirit, He can take things in the Word that seem mundane and all of a sudden give new, fresh revelation to them. He can show you something that you've never seen before if you're open to it. See, the other thing you need to understand is that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the guy that we tend to follow in this religion, right? He's the one. He's the one we worship. He's the one we follow. He's the one we say, that's the guy I'm looking to be like. Matter of fact, God's goal is to make you like him. And in the end, you will see him and you will be like him for you shall see him as he is. And that's the goal is to be like Jesus. But do you know that Jesus memorized scripture verbatim? And the way that we know this is because he was in the wilderness where there was no libraries, where there was no scrolls, where there was no books. And Satan came and tempted him and said, listen, I know you're hungry. You've been, you ain't eating nothing in 40 days. He says, so why don't you just turn these stones into bread if you actually are the son of God? And Jesus responded out of Deuteronomy three times with scriptures. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He had the word hidden in his heart. 
Now you all understand, like for example, Paul said in Ephesians 6, y'all know what he said. He, he talked about putting on the armor of God to stand against the strategies of the devil, right? And one of the things he said, lastly, the last thing that he said is that you need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now there are two words, we teach this a lot, so it's kind of review, but there are two words in the Bible, in the Greek New Testament, for the word, word. One of them is logos, one of them is rhema. They have big meanings, but the simple meaning is logos means the written word. Rhema means the spoken word. He says you need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. In other words, you have to learn to put the logos, the written word of God in your heart so at the right time, the Holy Spirit can activate the written word, the logos, pull it out like a sword and it becomes a spoken word on your mouth. And when you speak it out of your mouth at the right time, it slays the devil and his strategies and his schemes and he falls. You read in the Old Testament and there are battle after battle after battle that's won. And I know some people say, well, that's just awful. There was these battles going on. I agree with you. I don't think God is for war, but wars happened. There was accommodation there. And sometimes in our broken world, that's just what happens between human beings. Wars happen. But when you apply it to our lives, he's talking about spiritual warfare. If you read, Joshua would be in battle and they'd be in battle with these guys. And over and over again, they would win battle after battle after battle. And each time it would say, and they fell by the edge of the sword. They fell by the edge of the sword each time you would read it. And if you go into the, Greek, into the Hebrew language and look up the edge of the sword, the word edge is the same word for mouth. He said they fell by the mouth of the sword. The sword is when the word of God gets so in your heart. I mean, there's times I, I kid you not, I battle just as much as the next day. Some, some days I wake up, folks, and I feel like my mind is going crazy. But what I choose to do, sometimes I come in this very sanctuary or I'm at my house and I will walk around and I will legitimately I'll pray and allow God to bring word out of my heart and I will speak that word out of my mouth and I will quote scripture. And if I don't know it, I'll turn to the page and I'll read it out loud until I begin to understand and, and sense that these things are being cut off of my life. You don't think it's, it works? Try it out for yourself. Use the sword of the spirit. Satan has tricked us into believing that everything we need to do needs to be in our heart. Scripture says if it's in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth. Amen. Every now and then you just need to pull that sword of the spirit out. You need to do some cutting and let the word of God start to do some work. Secondly, number two in your notes, pray concerning God's word. So not only do you want to memorize God's word and hide it in your heart. I told you about last week we had or a couple of weeks ago when I taught on Psalm 91, I had a couple of people that were writing verses on their hands, you know, during the day. And that even gave them an opportunity. Somebody asked, you get a tattoo? They said, no, that's Psalm 91 foot verse four. And they, they, they were doing that because they were writing a scripture on their hand. Do whatever you got to do. But that'll even give you an opportunity to speak to people about what, what, what the, the word of God itself This is what the word of God says. Maybe give them a little lesson on it, but keep the word of God readily available. In the Old Testament, you know, they didn't have Bibles, but they would write the Word of God on their doorposts. They would put it on, on, their, on, their, on their walls and different stuff like that. And so when the, when the children would come in, they'd see that and they'd use it as a teaching point because it was available. Amen. That'd be a good thing for us to do, wouldn't it? So secondly, pray concerning God's Word. If you read Psalm 119, one of the things you're going to find is over and over again, he is praying about God's Word. He says, open my eyes, Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. 
Now, the word law there, it, it, it's Torah. It's means, it means essentially the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. But it means instruction or teaching. And the truth of the matter is, is that God wants to show you amazing things from his word. He really does. But here's what people do. Here's what I'm like. Tons of people come to me and say, Clay, what do I need to do about Bible study? How do I read the Bible? This and that. And, and, and honestly, sometimes it's difficult for me to give a good answer because everybody has a different technique. Everybody has different ways of how they get in the scripture. Some people want uh, a daily devotional that takes you systematically from the front of the Bible to the end. Me personally, I've always been a guy who I just get up and I go random. So whatever the spirit leads me to do, I just read it. Sometimes he'll lead me to read uh, Judges. Sometimes he's going to lead me to read Romans. I just do it randomly. So you probably don't want to follow my Bible plan, but you've got to find what works best for you. And you got to figure out a way to get in the word and my point would be just get in the word regardless if you don't have a plan it, it, there, right now we got Richard, Richard Jones he runs a, a basically a Bible app program right he got like he got like 50 guys on this Bible app thing and they're on they're on this de devotion every day so every day those guys are getting in some kind of word and commentary and scripture every day and that works for them right you got to find what works for you on how you're going to get in the Word. But if you're going to become a Christian disciple, you have to be in the Word. Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth, and that truth will make you free. But if you're not in my Word, you are not my disciples. Discipleship entails keeping the Word of God in your heart, praying the Word of God, believing the Word of God. Now, again, people will say, and it's good questions. Like, I want you to come and ask me, Clay, how do I get better about getting in the Word of God? Hold me accountable. I love that because it means that at least there's something going on in your heart. I'm just saying that I may not have all the answers. And at the end of the day, you've got to work it out yourself and figure out what works for you. We can give you help. And even in next steps, we give you different Bible reading programs and stuff like that. And we'll point you to what we can. But ultimately, it's about you figuring out what works best for you. And some people will say, well, you know, when I read the Bible, I just don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Do you know that when, whenever, you, whenever you don't understand it, or whenever you say, well, it's boring, or I just don't get it, and then you do nothing about it, and you're just passive. Basically, you're being a practical atheist. Somebody amen me this morning. Because if you read Psalm 119, this guy realized how important the word of God was, and you read like over 50 prayers of him saying, God, please don't let me forget your word. God, open your word to me. God, give me an understanding of your word. How many times have you prayed, God, let me not forget your word, put your word in my heart, open my understanding so that I can get this. I don't get this. Over and over again, he's praying, God, open my eyes, illuminate me so that I can see wonderful things from your word. The problem is, is that we are honestly too passive about our spirituality that's good there you know that Paul said about your spirituality concerning your spirituality you need to treat it as if you are putting things to death in your life that's how important it is that you are killing things and there are things in your life that you need to kill so that the word of God can take place before that stuff kills you that's just the, that's just the fact of the matter amen I know this is a little bit, little bit sharp. Y'all good, ain't you? You know, the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing even the spirit and the soul and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When the word comes in, sometimes it cuts like a sword, doesn't it? 
Sometimes it doesn't feel that great. Sometimes it is convicting. Sometimes it is challenging. And you know what? We don't need a world of Christians who are always about encouragement and comfort and all these things. Every now and then we need to come to the word of God and say, Lord, I need some things cut away in my life. I need some correction. I need to be lined up. I need to be rebuked. I need something to challenge me, to provoke me to spiritual growth. Because if all I get is a soft little ice cream, every, uh, ice cream sandwich every Sunday, then I'm not going to grow. I'm going to get lazy and fat spiritually. And I can't afford to get lazy and fat, son. I got to stay fit. I, got, I have got to spiritually stay sharpened. And those things that are attacking my life have got to be cut off. Right. So he says, we must, he says, open my eyes, God, that I may behold wonderful things from your law. And Psalm 119, verse 32, notice what he says. Psalm 119, verse 32. He basically says, if you get that up there, it'd be great. Yeah, verse 32. It says, for you shall enlarge... My heart. Direct my steps. Well, that's not it. That's all right. But he talks about you shall enlarge my heart. You shall enlarge my heart, Lord. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. Now notice this. He talks about this enlarging of the heart. In other words, I need you to understand this. When, when you start praying, you can pray, God, I need a greater understanding. And what he is saying, when you enlarge your heart, he's saying, I am increasing a breadth of mind a capacity for you to have a greater understanding. And whether you believe this or not, I know you say, well, I just don't get God's word, so I'm not going to read it. God made you. He made your mind. He's able to increase your capacity to think and to understand. I've heard stories of men and women who could not read, but they cried out to God and prayed and God gave them a supernatural ability to read scripture. Question is, are you going to pray and ask God for it? Are you serious enough about it to pray and say, God, I don't I'm not I don't have a hunger for your word. Please put a hunger in my heart for the word. I remember when God was calling me into ministry and I was scared to death, man. I would get sick every time I speak in front of somebody. I'd be, I'd be sick as a dog, pulling my hair out, wallowing around in the floor, couldn't sleep for a month. I mean, it's awful. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord. You can't be calling me into ministry because I barely know your word. I read it and I love it, but I don't understand anything that is in it. I just don't get it yet. It just doesn't make sense to me when I was about 21 years old. And I was so afraid of what God was calling me into that I prayed and I fasted for three days. And on this three-day fast that I took with God, all I was asking was God help me to understand this word. Help me to get this word in my heart because I do not get it. And there's no way I'm going to be able to preach it. There's no way that I'm going to be able to preach. And this makes sense. And I went to sleep on the third night of that fast as I was praying. And I had this dream. And in this dream, y'all say, well, he's weird. You know, in the Bible, God gives people dreams. It's all right. But this impacted me. So I went to sleep that night and that night I had this dream and I had my Bible in my hand and it was like I was in some kind of a coliseum or something. And there was this big flight of stairs and on this flight of stairs, there were people just sitting there and they all had their Bibles opened and I had mine in my hand. And I walk up this flight of stairs and there's just hundreds of people studying the scripture with their Bibles open, looking at the word of God. And I finally get to the top and Jesus is sitting there at the top. Now, Jesus, he could have said anything to me in this dream. He smiled at me real big and I immediately began to cry as he smiled at me because I felt his love toward me. And peace came over me and I felt that fear just vanish in the dream. And all of a sudden, he doesn't say anything to me. He smiles. He takes my Bible out of my hand and he opens it up and he turns it to 2 Timothy 2.15 and he just reads it to me. And it says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And he closed it back to me and he put his hand on me to pray for me and I woke up. 
And I realized that moment there was something that God imparted to me. But you got to understand, I had a, I said, God, I got to understand your word. You got to do something in my life because I don't get it. I was crying out to him the way the psalmist was in Psalm 119. He was saying, God, it's not enough for me to not understand your word. You're going to have to give me a supernatural ability to get your word and let this stuff get in my heart and let it change me. Because if you're calling me into ministry, I ain't standing up before people and being dumb. Anybody amen me, right? Y'all, nobody wants to be that. So I said that, I said that to the Lord, and, 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 and what happened was he answered me. And from that point on, you can ask, I mean, in my life, I, I spent hours upon hours every day of my life in the Word, reading Scripture. God put something in my heart. He put a hunger in there. I can't explain it. And I still have that hunger. If I accidentally go a day or a, t- or, or a couple of days by accident without really setting down, and I'm not talking about just reading the Word. I'm talking about digesting the Word. I start to sense a legitimate hunger in my soul. I start to sense almost like a filthiness or a heaviness. And then when I get into the word of God and I begin to digest it again, it's like I'm getting washed afresh. I get revived according to the word of God. I have new insight. I feel, I feel fresh. I feel strengthened because the word of God has become my bread. We don't live by, we don't live by bread alone, folks. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and that must get in your heart and become true. He says in Psalm 119 verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. He's saying, Lord, turn my heart toward your word because I know that if my heart is not turned toward your word, I'm going to turn toward other things. You're going to turn toward money. You're going to turn toward lust. You're going to turn toward something in this world if your heart is not inclined to the word of God. And he says this, he said, Lord, I know that my heart is liable to get so stuck on worldly things that it'll get lost and not be connected to your word. He said, let my heart be turned toward your word so that it is not turned toward covetousness and desire for things that I know are going to choke out the word. Jesus said in Mark 4, 19, he said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things will creep in, enter in, and it will choke the word and it will become unfruitful. I want you to ask yourself, because many of you, I know what you do spiritually, and I've been there myself. You come and you hear a sermon, but you only hear the sermon. You don't meditate on the sermon. You don't go home and get in the scripture and allow it to saturate your soul. And you go out into the world and the deceitfulness of riches and pleasures and the cares of this world and this life, it comes in and it chokes out the word. And before the week is over, you forgot what you heard on Sunday. It chokes the word. He's saying you can't allow that to choke that word. You've got to so allow that seed to get planted deep into good soil and you saturate it with water and you continue to meditate upon it and chew on it that it takes root in your heart and it changes who you are. He says in Psalm 119, 12, teach me your statutes. He's saying, Lord, you've got to have to teach me the word. Psalm 119, 19, he says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Now, I, I want to say this. I felt, this, I felt this verse very strongly when I read it. It jumped off the page to me and I thought, Lord, don't hide your commandments from me. Why in the world would you try to hide your word from me? And he said, it's the same reason that Jesus taught parables in Scripture. He actually said so that those that heard but didn't have a heart for it would never actually understand. He's saying if you don't ultimately value God's word and you just treat it as if it's not that big of a deal, it's not that important. Ultimately, he will begin to hide it from you because God will not give pearls to swine. He won't cast his pearls before swine. If you don't value God's word, there's going to come a season in your life and a time in your life. Amos prophesied about it. Amos actually said he prophesied and said that there was a judgment coming. There there would be a famine for the word of God. 
Now I want you to understand, there is no famine for the Word of God if you look at it from a natural perspective. Naturally, you can listen to sermons all over the world. I can get on a podcast and listen to a dude preaching in Australia right now. I mean, there's word everywhere. There are Bibles everywhere. There are devotions everywhere. But we still have a famine for the word in our land because we've got it everywhere, but nobody is feasting on it. Somebody amen me this morning. And he says, when you don't value the word, there may be a time when there's a judgment that comes where it's hidden from you. And some of you wonder why the word of God is not burning in your heart. And it's because you haven't valued it for years. But guess what? God still loves you. He wants that word to become powerful in your life. So there's a chance to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've not valued your word. I've not held it in high esteem. And you magnify your word above your very name, Scripture says. Jesus says that there's not one jot or tittle that will pass away. I have no idea what a jot or a tittle is, but not one of them is going to pass away. He's going to fulfill this word. And so we want to value the word of God in our lives and He talks about a lot of other ones. I'm going to skip just a few and finish this. But number three, he says to meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. See, God has actually given us a brain. He's given you a brain. He's given you a mind that can be programmed. You realize this. You actually get an opportunity to program your your thinking, your feeling, your emotions, and who you actually are. That's the power. Through your thinking, you get to choose the thoughts that you think. And most people's lives are dominated because they allow any thought to run rampant in their life. And God is saying, no, I've given you a mind where you can actually stand outside of yourself and choose what to think about, what to ponder on, what to meditate on. And God has placed this 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 ability in your life so that you can choose to meditate on Scripture, to chew on it. Now, I won't put it to you like this. Meditation is like this. It's one thing to get in the Bible and read it. But it's another thing to really meditate on it, to allow it to saturate yourself. It's like this. If I'm going to eat, I don't, just, I don't just put stuff in my mouth. In order for the food that I eat to actually fuel my muscles and my bones and grow my body and keep me healthy, do you know what I have to do? I have to chew on it first, but then I have to swallow it and then I have to digest it. And then the food becomes cellular and is distributed to all the parts of my body in the same way what most people do let's put it to you like this it's like this morning this this word is going forth I want you to see it like this this preached word is putting food in your mouth but you have to leave here today and choose to chew on it swallow it and digest it that's what meditation is And if you're not meditating in God's word, he says it over and over and over again in the scriptures. In Psalm 119, verse 15, I mean, let's just go through a few verses. I mean, there's a hundred of them, but he says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Next verse. Let the proud be ashamed for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. Over and over again. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. I've told you before that the word meditation in the Hebrew language is like a, it's literally ruminant. It's like a cow chewing the cud. He chews it. He swallows it. He brings it up again. He thinks on it some more. In other words, let me put it to you what I what I literally do most weeks. If I'm not honestly, if it's like it's like if I'm not overwhelmed with study in a certain area right now, I've been in the Psalms like crazy. But I will basically pick even psalms that I'm not going to preach on. And what I will do is I'll take two or three verses. And throughout the week when I don't have anything to do, or if I catch my mind going in a direction that it shouldn't be going in, I will do my best. I'll do my very best. 
to bring up those two or three verses that I've been pondering, and I'll just start to think about them instead. I'll change, I'll trade my thoughts, my negative thoughts, for a verse or two verses or three verses that I'm hanging on to. And I'll keep it on my phone right there so I can just bring it up and I can just read it out loud to myself to remind myself until it takes root in my heart and root in my mind and it starts to change the way I think about my circumstances. This is meditation, y'all. It's going to change your life. If you will allow this, if you will allow memorization of Scripture, if you will allow praying concerning Scripture, and meditation in Scripture to get in your heart, it's going to change your life. Psalm 1, the very first psalm. I love it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters, which brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Sometimes I'll just sit and I'll think about that. I imagine myself being a tree. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. Good, good juicy fruits just growing right off of my hand right there. Amen. Love, joy, peace. We live, man, in a stressed out society. And most of y'all, you come in here, you're stressed out. There's things going on and you don't know how to overcome it. God's giving you a way to overcome. He's saying you've got to take your thoughts captive. You've got to learn to think on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are worthy. You're going to have to get control of the thoughts that you think. And he says the way that you're going to do that, what you, he said all of you, you, you meditate regularly because you worry like crazy. And worry is really lies floating around in your mind that take root and produce stress and anxiety and fear and even anger and lust and all these things. And they take root, these lies take root and manifest themselves in your personality. And you become that. You become that lie. And what God is saying is you need to uproot that with the Word of God and meditate on my Word and implant it into your heart and it will begin to heal your soul and transform you and you will start to bear good fruit each season because you are meditating in the Word of God day and night. And it's taking root and it's taking place of those anxious and fearful thoughts that you have in your life. Now listen, folks, when we open the Bible, when we open the Word of God, this is the Word of God right here. That Bible you have is the Word of God. But the ultimate Word of God is Jesus Christ. This points you to Him. The way you have a relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, is through the Word and through prayer. He talks to you here. You talk to Him through prayer. You get in the Word, you meditate on it, and then it releases prayer in your heart. It's a simple thing, but I'm telling you, you've got to learn to steal yourself before God, to open His Word, to meditate in it, to me memorize it, and to pray concerning His Word. Amen. Y'all agree with me this morning. We want to see Jesus, man. I want to pray. I want us to pray. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? I want us to pray just like we did at the start. And right now, you know, there may be people in here I want to give everybody an opportunity. I don't know. Most of the time when people come into church, they're probably saved. But I want to give you an opportunity. The scripture says that we're born of incorruptible seed by the word of God. And some of us, we may not be born again. We may not know Jesus and have that transforming relationship. And if, and, and if you're here right now, I want, you just, I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. We're going to pray. But if that's you and you're ready to say, I want to give my life, I want to give my heart to Jesus, and I want him to change me from the inside out. Right now, I want you to shoot your hand up right now just as an act of faith, just to say, that's me, I'm ready to follow, I'm ready to, I got one there. Anybody else? Got one there? All right. And we can pray together. 
we can pray together and respond to the Lord right now and just believe in Jesus in our hearts. And that's where it starts, that we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that He died on the cross for our sins and He was raised from the dead and we confess Him as Lord. And the scripture says that we shall be saved. We turn from our sin, we turn to follow Jesus. And it's at that point of faith that God begins to do something in our heart. But right now, Lord, we pray that. I pray, Lord, for these people that have lifted their hands, that you would bring salvation into their heart, God, that you would bring assurance, Lord Jesus, that it's you that's drawing them and that you will begin to make disciples out of them, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for your church, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to put a hunger a hunger. I want y'all put. I told you to put your hand on your on on your mind. I want you to put it on your belly right now, as a symbol for God. I want to hunger your word. I want to have a hunger for your word that I can't live without it day to day. The same way that I get up and I've got to have breakfast or I've got to have coffee. I've got to have your word, Lord, because I'm not going to live without it. And Lord, I want a hunger, and I want you to open our eyes, Lord illuminate us to see things in your word that we never have before. And Lord, I want to hear testimonies of how the word of God getting in people's lives has absolutely transformed them. And I pray, Lord, that right now, even in this church and in our community and in our, in our region, that there would be a value that is placed on the word of God that has never been placed on the word of God before, that we would begin to value scripture, that we would know scripture. And Lord, not only would it be in our minds and our hearts, but it would become the life that we live, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word, that we would be obedient to your word, God. And right now, Lord, we just turn to you afresh, Jesus. I want you to begin to pray and just turn to the Lord afresh. All of us, we've got things in our life, whether it be attitudes or sinful habits or behaviors. And Jesus, we want to be convicted by your word. Lord, we never want to get to a place in society where we're no longer convicted, where we no longer feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit drawing us to purity and drawing us to holiness. But God, your word calls us to a place of true holiness. And so we pray that that word would take root. God, it would change us right now in Jesus' name. I want you to pray this with me. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we trust that you're working in all of our hearts. God, we just respond to you right now in worship. We just respond to you right now in worship. Thank you, Lord.